where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we fangirl all over Terry Zweigoff's 2001 comedy Ghost World, based on the graphic novel by Dan Klaus and starring Thor Birch, Scarlett Johansson, and Steve Buscemi. We graduated high school. How totally amazing. I can't help but feel I had some small part in how you turned out. Sometimes I think I might be going crazy from sexual frustration. You just hate every single guy on the face of the earth. That's not true. I just hate all these extroverted, pseudo-bohemian losers. You guys up for some reggae tonight? Besides these? Seymour does. Who does? Oh, uh, him. He's the man with the records. Oh, what are we in slow motion here? Come on, what are you hypnotized? Have some more kids, why don't you? John Pehechan Ho. Gina Asan Ho. I'm allowed to place one student from your graduating class for a full one year scholarship, and I took the liberty of submitting your name. This could be a really great thing for you. When I have to take classes and stuff? Well. I'm just not the kind of guy who has a type. Every guy has a type. What about her? Whoa. Would you go out with her? As long as she's breathing. Hey! Hey! You! How many times I tell you? No shirt, no service. Get the hell out of my store. What do you think this is? Club Med? It's America, dude. Learn the rules. Loosen up. Yeah. Feel the music. Ghost World, the underground comic book comes to life. We have to get together this summer. Yeah, that'll definitely happen. Written by Daniel Klaus and Terry Zweigoff. Directed by Terry Zweigoff. Do you serve beer or any alcohol? After about five minutes of this movie, you're gonna wish you had 10 beers. It was yeah. three blocks down the hill from uh, Harvard Exit. And oh, cool. The, yeah. Love that theater. I do too, yeah. I miss it so much. And I think, I can't remember actually if I saw Ghost World at the Harvard Exit or, because I know it was a Capitol Hill theater. Oh. So it was either the Harvard Exit or the Egyptian. Yeah. I saw it, an advanced screening at Seven Gables. How'd you score that? <laughs> well, which picked up its screening video. Oh, because he was the man about town at the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like we were very early dating, and it was like, oh, I'm dying to go see this, and I know there's an advanced screening. It was like, you know, comic book stores had, like, passes. Right, I remember and, that. Or, like, um, Scarecrow had passes. It's like everybody time. was down <laughs> to him, and he went up to some place oh. in Linwood or something. And it said in the ad, like, no phone calls, but he was like, I don't want to drive all the way there. And he called them, and they were like, okay, yeah, you can come get them. Okay, well, let's let's do it. 
On today's episode of Pain and Puke, oh, we're right. talking about... <laughs> Did I surprise you? I don't know how it was. Okay. You I did just say, let's do it. I feel like my mic is far away. Is it... But is that fine? It's fine. I just made yeah, it. Yeah, it's totally Sorry. fine. They're really weird. I don't understand why. Sometimes they're fucking sensitive and sometimes they're not. That's why I always have to change the levels around. Mm-hmm. I wish I could just keep them in the same spot and I'm it'd sorry, be fine. I should have moved it then. It's okay. Right. I think it'll be fine. Okay. It seems fine. <laughs> they're very, very sensitive today. Anywho's. <laughs> uh, welcome to Pain and Puke. Hey. Uh, I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Christina. Oh. <laughs> Dude, it's something we're um, sporadically introducing ourselves. I'm Amy Green. <laughs> it's awkward every time. Yeah. I don't know why it's so awkward. Everyone else does it, and it's fine. And I don't know it's why. It's a totally normal thing it's to so do. It's so hard for us right. to do it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, you guys know who we are. Right. <laughs> and what you're listening to, which is Peyton Puke. And today we're talking about Terry's Wagoffs. 2001 film Ghost World, based on the graphic novel by Daniel Klaus and starring Thor Birch, Scarjo, and Steve Buscemi. <laughs> and it's a comedic meditation about two best friends who are social misfits and struggle to transition from high school to adult life after graduation. But it's also so much more than that. Very <laughs> simple. It's so what? More. It's so good. Amy has a couple things to say about this movie. Uh, so I'm going to fangirl pretty hard on this. When he was writing Ghost World, like Ghost World was originally in installments in his comic book, Eight Ball. And I was so into Eight Ball and especially so into Ghost World. And he used to have a thing at the back of every issue of Eight Ball. A little mini cartoon of him reading letters and they were all really weird. And he's like, but I love all my mail, you know, so it's friendly. <laughs> so I used to write to him and I bought an original page from him. At the time, he was still writing Ghost World and he wasn't selling any pages from Ghost World. But anyway, I bought an original page from an issue of Eight Ball. And he wrote me back a few times. He sent a little note with the page. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, then he also wrote me a couple postcards and sent me a Christmas card that year and I still have them. These are very treasured possessions of mine and it's super weird to look at them and it has my old last name and my old address from 1996. What a magic year! And one of those places, so way back in 19, this postcard here from 1996, I'm like holding it up to the microphone. (laughs) Can you guys all see this? (laughs) It ends with, thanks for writing as always, new eight ball almost done. And then I must work on the Ghost World movie script. Whoa. Best Dan Klaus. Also, this is funny. In the beginning, it says, hey, it's me, the keep on trucking guy. Because I think I wrote to him (laughs) that my first username was Klaus fan. Wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm such a dork right now. Um, That's so awesome. (laughs) This is what I meant. Before it was a thing, I met my old boyfriend on the internet, and that was my name when I met with Klaus fan. And he said he thought it was Clovis fan, or somebody somebody I used to talk to online thought I was a fan of Chad Lowe. <laughs> like, C. Lowe. Wow. Right? Um, but anyway, I think one time I was chatting with someone online, and they were like, who's Daniel Klaus? And I was explaining him, and she's like, oh, is that the keep on trucking guy? Who is actually Robert Crumb. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. But I must have told him that because he writes, it's me, the keep on trucking guy. <laughs> that's so, so great that wow. he was referring to things you wrote in your life. Yes, I mean, yeah. that's like proper correspondence. Yeah. I mean, you know, then the other one, this is so incredibly dated because I must have asked him, did you like OK Soda? I remember I wrote him, did you like it? I'm just curious. It's not like if you say no, you're a sellout. Because remember the very oh. briefly, there is this 
soda called OK Cola. Yes. And oh. they had the cool cans, and there were four different cans, and they were all designed by different people, and one of them was by him. And he wrote, I only tried OK Soda two times. I thought it was OK at best <laughs> and would probably never buy it myself. I guess the rest of America agrees with me because they gave up on it, I think. They, meaning the Coca-Cola company. Those are really exciting. Wow. <laughs> These are like treasured possessions yeah. for me. Postcards from Dan Klaus. What do you keep your treasured memories in? Just well, I mean, I have a lot. I'm also a little bit of a hoarder of cards yeah. in general. I have like a special box and then I also have a bigger box that's less special, but it's a little more organized yeah. files but yeah i mean these have traveled with me i mean this was when i lived in capitol hill so they <laughs> came with me then to bellevue queen anne boston green lake wallingford so they have wow. survived many moves as well <laughs> yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah well, <laughs> so i'm really excited about ghost yeah. <laughs> so then after having that history with the books what was your experience when you saw the movie I mean, I love the movie as such an independent thing from the original story. I feel like it gets the spirit of the story, you know, the spirit of those two characters, like they're done so well in the movie and that it's a story about this girl's friendship and how you can grow apart from someone or just not even grow apart, but grow differently from someone that you're close with. So I feel like it has like the spirit of that, but the story is so totally different. Like Steve Buscemi's character in the original is barely in it. In one chapter of Ghost World, they do respond to like an I saw you mm-hmm. ad and then they go to that diner and watch the guy and they feel really bad about it after. It's like yeah. a very uncomfortable thing. But that's it. They now interact with him or ever see him again. Ghost World, the book is so good and then the movie is also so good as a separate thing. So many, many years later, I went to an event that Dan Klaus was at. He did a Q&A and somebody asked him, how do you feel about the movies that were made from your books? And he said, you know, they're so different from the original that I've not really connected to them and he said it was like if you gave up a baby for adoption and then met them as an adult you'd be like yeah Yeah. I guess that kind of looks like me you know but you wouldn't have a connection to it and yeah so I guess I feel the same way (laughs) you know I mean that feels right I'm not like oh it's different from the book so I hate it it's just such a different entity of its own yeah that's such a great metaphor. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was a little bit disappointing, that whole thing, when I saw it. Like, I didn't even stick around to try and meet him because it was a, like, don't meet your idols kind of thing. Sure, yeah. He said a couple things that were interesting and insightful. That was the highlight. Yeah. You know? <laughs> don't meet your idols, especially if you've been writing pictures. <laughs> it was, like, 20 years of, like... <laughs> I had not read the graphic novel before I saw the movie. I saw the movie, and it hit me in a very particular spot. My best friend at the time, well, she, my, oh, my friend you, Faye. She's going to do, I guess, Faye and I, yeah, she's coming. She, I swear to God, you got to pick a movie, Faye. Right. Faye and I, you know, we had ups and downs. Unfortunately, we have a happier ending than Enid and Rebecca, but I feel like when we saw that movie, it spoke to both of us in different ways. She would have to speak for herself on this, but, I mean, I feel like we both saw ourselves in both characters. Obviously... I felt a little bit more like Enid, and she right. felt more like Rebecca. If we're just going by looks alone, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I just had a little bit more of a goth look, and she had a little bit more of a hot librarian look. <laughs> There's so many little moments, like when you know boys are talking to them, and they're like, "Oh, he likes you more." No, he obviously likes you more. That kind of mm. thing, or just like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry for some reason that cats—they're not getting along. <laughs> you guys, shut up. <laughs> We're having a real Grey Gardens day here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're trying to act. Oh, uh, 
Becky and Nina right yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Pedro is definitely the scar Joe of those two. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Clearly. I totally lost my train of thought. God damn you, cats. What about you and Faye? Oh, yeah. The things that, and then, uh, okay, what else? Oh, and because we lived, we did live together for a while, and she kind of, like, broke up with me when she wanted to live on her own. <laughs> so in that regard, I kind of felt rejected by her in the way that Rebecca feels rejected by Enid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've worked these issues out, by the way. <laughs> this is, like, long ago, but watching this movie again brought me back to that time and, and thinking about that. It's been a while since I saw it, but I did see it a bunch. And then there was also another, like, emotional connection. I had this on again off again relationship with this guy i knew he was a jerk but he also knew how to make me feel good briefly so i kept talking to him and he called me after that movie came out and was like i saw that movie and i thought of you and i wanted to talk to you about it and then we got coffee and talked about it that came up again while i was watching it i totally hadn't thought about that in years Wow. So yeah, there's like a lot of emotion around Ghost World for me. And then I did read the graphic novel after that, and I was surprised by how different it was. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I liked better in <laughs> the graphic novel than in the in the movie was in the graphic novel, as you said, Seymour is like a minor character. She doesn't end up sleeping with him. Right. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that yep. so yeah. much. That's my hot prop. I mean, if we, let's see, I guess we can start with hot prop. Shut up. Hot props is on. Oh shit! Yeah. Number one hot prop for me is that that happens. I don't like Mm -hmm. it. I don't know if it necessarily betrays Seymour's character. I can see from his point of view why he would do that, I guess. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) That it happens at all, and then the aftermath of how it happens is also a prop for me. Yeah, how Uh, he's like, oh, we're in a relationship now. (laughs) Yeah, it feels very incel friend zone. I feel like the way it's played out is it's like she was reckless with his feelings, that she wronged him in some way by sleeping with him and then regretting it. All of it just really rubs me the wrong way. You're right. I mean, it is is played for sympathy on his part. (laughs) Yeah, just the age difference too really bugged me a lot. I mean, I mean yeah. Right. And she's, she's 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she did do the meeting the diner and in the beginning where he gets stood up, but I mean, like, <laughs> she, they're kids. The age difference was really problematic to me. Like, he was had this idea, like, they were gonna be together and once they slept together, he had this whole story yeah. in his yeah. mind that she was not even aware of or was wanting anyways yeah i mean she's obviously very lost yeah she's the one who suggests moving in with him but clearly she's just thinking out loud and trying to figure out what the fuck she wants and she's 18 years old i guess because he's such a i don't know an agoraphobe sort of or whatever he doesn't you know he's not very socially adept he doesn't leave the house he doesn't leave his little fortress very much yeah he just really doesn't have a lot of experience with a lot of different people so maybe he doesn't recognize the signs of her just being an indecisive 18 year old trying to figure shit out <laughs> right. mm-hmm. he's like this is what she wants and because all of her statements are so self-assured sounding and declarative which is also indicative of her personality and being her age that he interprets it as the decisive decisions of an adult Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are maybe true to the character, but at the same time, still very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with their friendship at all until that point. Young people can have friendships with older people, mm-hmm. that's fine. 
But the fact that he allows her to cross that line and then runs with it is (laughs) so upsetting. For me, what rubs me the wrong way the most about it is that I feel like how it's played after is like, this was so damaging to him. It's that sort of mythology that I don't think is really, you know, where it's like, oh, he got friend-zoned or something, you know, girls don't want a nice guy or something, you know, I mean, that's how it feels. It should just be like, oh, God, that was a really weird, awkward mistake that they both made, you Mm -hmm. know? That's for sure, like, my hottest surprise (laughs) in this movie. It's a real hot one. (laughs) (laughs) Coming in hot on this Yeah. I don't know. And you could still have those events take place and have it just played differently from a different perspective. Make it seem less like he's wronged. I don't know how you would do it exactly, but maybe just through some conversation. Maybe like when he shows up at Rebecca's house, she's like, dude, she's an 18 year old. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Why are you even here? (laughs) Go hang out with people your own age. (laughs) That sort of thing instead of her. But we end up, I don't know. It really bothered me. And I haven't seen this movie since I had kids either, so. (laughs) Last time I saw this movie, I was Enid, and now I look at her as my daughter from that perspective. God, it's so weird. The movies you watch pre and post kids yeah, and how different you see. <laughs> I mean, the most is say anything where I'm like, now that I'm an adult, I have to it all the way. He is not good enough I for know. it. I love when he says, I don't know why she's chosen to champion mediocrity. I'm like, you get him, Jim. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> we know for sure that she did not end up with him. <laughs> there is no way. Yeah. I have a couple of other minor ones. For instance, like dyeing her hair twice in in two days oh <laughs> triggered <laughs> I was wondering if you had the hair dye was not accurate <laughs> well it's just I mean first of all it would not have come out so perfectly from black like she'd have to bleach it yeah. so hardcore to get to that green that vivid green yeah and then back to black after that <laughs> that hair is just gonna fall off like there's the fact that it wasn't just straw breaking off her head after that <laughs> and then also that they don't carry bags around <laughs> right. yeah. they don't have purses and then, then it just didn't even dawn on me especially until that scene where like do you have a pen to write this note and scarlet pulls out a pen from her pencil skirt somehow <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like why didn't she have a purse like it's not right. weird that she had a pen it's weird that she had a pen in her skirt that probably didn't have pockets she's just like right. here you go it was such like lazy movie making <laughs> yeah that is weird. I had a minor hot problem with the... One of my favorite scenes was the coffee shop scene where Enid goes to like visit Rebecca where she's working at the coffee experience, which is clearly a ripoff of Starbucks. The guy in the wheelchair that answers the trivia question, it's like he's looking it up on the internet. Yeah. And it's really just like Microsoft Word. He just... Mm-hmm opens it up and I'm just like that's not the internet I don't know yeah it's like right. it was I don't know funny. why we had to see the screen <laughs> we right. could have just had him type 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 yeah we could imagine like he could have happened. like some software like encyclopedia stuff like what was it called Encarta or something you oh, know what I mean yeah. there's some I mean he yeah. could look something up not online I mean I feel like back then there was all these you know remember you would like buy things to load on your computer right you know? yeah, yeah. CD-ROMs <laughs> yeah 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 he wouldn't have to be online but they show <laughs> on the female and then he like he like oh, oh, is on the- a female excuse me i can't read the trivia question where in the human body is the devil's pouch located <laughs> slightly below the uterus on a female
That's Christian Glover's dad. I know. Wow. I. That's crazy. I love that. That is actually, it's not from Ghost World, but it is from an issue of 8-Ball. It's just like a one-page thing like that, interaction. (laughs) Yeah. I do like that. (laughs) Because there's no rule against, express rule against Googling it, basically. Right. I mean, this was so long ago. That comic was probably like 1995, 1996. Yeah. Now everybody's got it like... In the palm of their hand, literally. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, some one person who's super nerdy and techie is going to be able to look up the trivia question. <laughs> and get free copy of free. Right. He's scamming the system. Yeah. He gets it every day, I guess. He's so smug about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is also a sign of the times thing, but there's pretty rampant use of the R word. Yeah. yeah. The That's the other thing I wrote down, yeah. That's just hard to hear. Yeah. <laughs> But that is 100% how teenagers used to talk. Right. I mean, myself included. <laughs> well, yeah. at least, I mean, we've come this far. I did have one other hot prop, which was how the video store clerk... I mean, video store clerks are, like, that is the that thing, that they're, like, nerdy and super into yes. movies, but he's never heard of eight and a half, and he thinks she means nine and a half weeks. Or whoever it is he's talking to. I just was like... Yes. Somebody's looking for eight and a half, and he I think has never heard being, of it. I think it's supposed to be because he's, uh, like, a blockbuster type oh, place. Oh, okay, yeah. Hello, welcome to Masterpiece Video. How may I help you this afternoon, sir? I'm looking for a copy of Eight and a Half. Is that a new release, sir? No, it's the classic Italian film. Yes, sir. Just check that on the computer for you, sir. Uh, yes, here it is. Nine and a Half Weeks with Mickey Rourke. That would be in the erotic drama section. No, not Nine and a Half, Eight and a Half. The Fellini film. I guess so that was like a commentary, like Terry Terry's Blockbuster's particular, call, I'm assuming, <laughs> <laughs> particular beef with blockbuster type places is oh, that okay. they just hire people who don't care about movies versus the true cinematic lovers right. who work at real video stores. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right, that makes <laughs> I would immediately sense. know what eight and a half is. <laughs> yeah. I do really like that character actor, Patrick Fischler, though. He's oh, a lot of David Lynch Is that the stuff. video store? Yes. Oh, okay. And I do really love the way he says, That'd be in the erotic drama section. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all my hot props. Yeah. Anybody else have any other? That's all mine. Because the rest of it's just such a delight. Right. Next call. I miss the days where working people could get an apartment together and you can just work at a coffee shop and right. afford that. Things used to be more affordable. Right. Living wages used to exist. Right, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I know. Started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Moby Dick, if you know what I mean. When they're talking about the cooked chicken thing, and oh, yeah. Enid's kind of like, What are you saying? I don't get it. Are you saying that things were better then or better now? So I, I don't really get it. Are you saying that things were better back then, even though there was stuff like this? I suppose things are better now, but I don't know. It's complicated. People still hate each other, but they just know how to hide it better or something. Or something. <laughs> I feel like that he doesn't know exactly. <laughs> it is kind of true. Things are better in some ways and like a lot worse than others. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Amy's got some things oh, to add we do to our, this. Oh my god, I have so many. Okay, I'm just going to go away and order. I love in the diner, she turned on the jukebox and she's like, who could forget this great this great hit from the 50s, huh? 
Sorry to go back to the comic one more time, but what they left out, like one of my, my favorite thing from that scene in the comic is the waiter tells them the specials and there's like some pasta primavera thing and one of them was like, that was a popular dish in the 50s. <laughs> like, I guess so. I just really enjoyed that. I was bummed that they left that out. If he's so weird, how come he's wearing Nikes? <laughs> also, I love the nunchucks guy. Like basically everything he says, but I love when he says rock and roll baby freedom of speech. <laughs> I love when people say freedom of speech in such a nonsensical way. <laughs> your speech is not being like... It's not being yeah, a dick. Not <laughs> at all. It's, it's not even speech because I think he says it about wearing a shirt. <laughs> <It's> like, exactly. That's <laughs> not speech. Oh, God, I love and freedom of speech is just like playing your music loud in the parking lot while, <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. while you swing your nunchucks around. Right. <laughs> also not speech, not, technically. Yeah, <laughs> not any of that. I like what Enid first says about Seymour is he's the opposite of everything I hate. I don't know. I kind of like him. He's the exact opposite of everything I really hate. In a way, he's such a clueless dork. He's almost kind of cool. The guy's many things, but he's definitely not cool. When she's like, it's not a modern punk, it's obviously a 19... <laughs> and when Becky says, I didn't get it either, and she's like, everyone's too stupid. <laughs> I also wrote down, everyone's too stupid. It's obviously a 1977 original punk rock look. I guess Johnny Buckface over there is too stupid to realize it. I didn't really get it either. Everyone's too stupid. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> I feel that a lot. Yes. <laughs> when you're on Facebook, everyone's too stupid. <laughs> and in the art class, what the teacher says about someone's picture, she's like, I thought maybe this was supposed to be your father. <laughs> I also heard that It's about the mutilator. My goodness. Yeah, it's, it's a really great video game about a guy who kills people with a big hammer. Oh, I thought maybe this was supposed to be your father. Her delivery on that is so great. Yeah, her delivery is very good. <laughs> what Seymour says when he says, maybe I don't want to meet someone who shares my interests. I hate my interests. Yes, I want to We need to find a place where you can go to meet women who share your interests. Well, maybe I don't want to meet someone who shares my interests. I hate my interests. And then one of my favorite things, like, ever in any movie is when the guy comes on the radio and Seymour is like, oh, that asshole's voice is so hostile. Donnie J, nothing but classic rock. Coming at you this beautiful evening. You're listening to KFTO. God, that asshole's voice is so hateful. 11 minutes from the top of the hour. I wonder I never listened to the radio. Relax, so shrill and loud and piercing. I mean, it's like I feel like I'm being jabbed in the face. KTO coming at you on this beautiful evening. Thank you. <laughs> that really nails like what his character is to me. Just someone who's so at odds with society. Yes. And then soon after he says, I can't relate to 99% of humanity. <laughs> yep. Well, now I remember why I haven't been anywhere in months. It's simple for everybody else. You, you give them a Big Mac and a pair of Nikes and they're happy. I just, I, I can't relate to 99% of humanity. Well, I can't relate to humanity either, but I don't think it's completely hopeless. And then when Enid says, I can't stand a world where a guy like you can't get a date. Why do you care so much if I get a date or not? I don't know. Guess I just can't stand the idea of a world where a guy like you can't get a date. Not like that. Oh, I love her yard sale. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm really going to let some asshole with a soul patch have goofy guts. <laughs> what was that all about? I thought everything must go. Yeah, right. 
Like, I'm really gonna let some asshole with a soul patch own Goofy Gus. And then when the lady's trying to buy her dress and she's like, it would look stupid on you. How much for this dress? God, I can't believe you're selling that. That's $500. What? $500. <laughs> you're crazy. It should be like $2. I was wearing that when I lost my virginity. Well, why do I care about that? Well, why do you want it? I mean, it would look stupid on you anyway. God. And then I feel like you're gonna relate to this one when his phone is ringing and he says I have no desire to talk to anyone who might be calling me. Yes. Aren't you gonna get that? Let the machine get it. I have no desire to talk to anyone who might be calling me. I'll call you back as soon as I get home. That was true even back when phones were the only way. Right. Yeah, I know. Phone. I mean, now it's like, oh my god, why is this ringing? Gross, it does that. The last one that I wrote was when they're looking at the apartment and Ina's like, this is such a weird, crazy neighborhood. And Becky just says, this is a totally normal neighborhood. Where are we? This is such a weird neighborhood. This is a totally normal, average neighborhood. That feel like sums up what's going on between them. It's just like a perfect metaphor for their problems is the whole apartment hunt thing mm -hmm. of how Becky thinks, oh, like we should dress up like yuppies to get a good apartment. And Ian, it's like, no way, I'm going to dye my hair green instead. She just is doing everything she can to thwart the efforts. And then Becky's right that she's just not coming out and saying that she doesn't want to move in with her. But mm -hmm. I honestly, I think she doesn't even know that until Becky says it. Right. Because <laughs> she's kind of offended at first. She's like, oh, no. Of course I do. And then she's like, mm, maybe I don't. Right. I mean, I feel like, and also they're both just sort of trying to figure out, like, how to be adults. And for Becky, it's more like you have to be kind of normie. Enid's trying to stay, you know, sort of trying to, she's just trying to figure out, like, can I be an adult and also be herself? She is? Yeah. yeah. Which is why she yeah, like really needs to Seymour so hard. It's mm -hmm. because he's doing that, kind of, even though he's right. not very happy. Right, but what she says about how he's so uncool that he is cool. I feel like sometimes that's, like, the coolest thing about someone is when they're so uncool they obviously don't care. He's certainly mm -hmm. not trying to impress anyone, not trying to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally feel that. The part that captures his hostility to me is where they're in the car and the women with their small <laughs> children are crossing the street. And he's like, why don't you just, why don't you just have some more kids? What are we in slow motion here? Come on, what are you hypnotized? Have some more kids, why don't you? Jesus Christ, move it! Jesus, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> When they're looking at the apartment, it was just like a small thing, but there was like a really pregnant woman smoking cigarettes in the background. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it yeah. was like a funny detail, I guess. And then with the totally normal neighborhood. And then I love the part where Rebecca, she's like so excited about the adulting. She's mm -hmm. like, I gotta show you this. And she goes and gets the built-in ironing board yes. and holds it down. Isn't this great? Like, yes. I just loved that. I do. I really like, love the way I, she rubs her hand over it. I yeah. know. I yeah. so remember that. Oh, I just want my own place. Getting to move out of your parents' house and have your own place. Just being thrilled by an ironing board just was familiar to <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, that means I'm an adult. Uh, there's a lot of pleated pants in this movie. <laughs> and his pleated pants. Just funny to see Steve Buscemi in very dorky clothes. And his age-appropriate girlfriend gets him those oh, jeans. Yes. <laughs> and it's not that much better. She's trying to make him hip or something i don't know yeah. it's trying to like, make him more like yeah. her version right, of her. Her nicely i mean i totally right. related to that in a way or just recognized it because my dad is kind of a natural dorky dresser like, he's like <laughs> for years he just had a series of free corporate polo shirts that he would wear <laughs> and then my stepmom is 
fashion forward for her age group. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like her favorite store is Eileen Fisher. That's like her oh, kind of right. her jam. Every time I see her, she's like, look at this shirt and pants I bought your dad or look at this haircut <laughs> I made your dad get or whatever, these shoes. And I'm like, he still looks like a seven-year-old man. You know, I don't know. Like, what do you want me to say here? Very nice. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh my God. Triggered. <laughs> she also bought him a camo speedo oh my god and she posted a picture of it on facebook no. and was like wow. look at my sexy husband Ew, I was like, what no. I was like, <laughs> you had teach her how to like wow. friends accept just yes. back to oh, i did i can uh, haunted haunted by that image wow Enid's like, I would kill to have all this stuff. And Seymour's like, please go ahead and <laughs> kill me. me. I know. This is like my dream room. Look at all this stuff. You are like the luckiest guy in the world. I would kill to have stuff like this. Please, go ahead and kill me. I love that. I know. I hate, I hate my interests. Yeah. It's so good. And I loved Edith's dad, Bob Balaban. He's just like so <laughs> earnest and dorky and just wants to help her. And I love the scene where she's like, look at me. I'm not even listening to a word you're saying. No, you, you could even enroll in the winter quarter. You could uh, actually you could live here and go to the city college part-time. And uh, I don't know, still get a job if you want. Look at me, I'm not even listening to a word you're saying. Oh, did I tell you who I ran into at the bagel place? I just loved that line so much. I remember, like, when I saw it, I was like... I saw this movie with my friend Phil when I was in college, and 20 minutes into the movie, he reached over and he, like, whispered to me, Christina, these girls are mean. I remember laughing so much when <laughs> he said that, and I was like... This is great. I felt like I identified with their living in painfully normal suburbia, not being understood. They're not mean. They're, I mean, I guess they're, they're sort of, they're a little though, mean, yeah. but like they're. But they're figuring I it out. I felt like, like if they were yeah. 30 year olds, it'd be a totally different story. Totally, they're 18. Yeah. It's totally right. normal behavior. I know, I know, right? And I was just, just yeah. like, I thought it was so funny that my friend Phil was just like, God, these girls are mean. And I was just like, come on. This is Ugh. great. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Phil. I know. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him. We're not friends anymore, yeah. I guess. He's probably at a party like that party in the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for He's some the David Cross guy. Oh my god. It's oh a tonight. There's a zebra <laughs> there. I know. Watch the word Padre. There's a seat right there. Hey, mind if I sit down? Yes. I also love the Weird Al. Rebecca's like, I want to make love to him. So where's the Weird Al guy? Shh. Oh, there he is back there. I can see his hair bobbing up and down. I want to make love to him. I'm going to tell him you said that. And it was just so out of the blue and... I don't know. I loved it. What does that even mean? Are you serious or are you? That's kind of like a recurring What's thing the... with her. Is it any like weirdo? She's kind of like I want to do him. She says mm-hmm. about the comedian or somebody else. Somebody. Oh weirdo. yeah, she does say something. Then, yeah. Then the red guy guy. She says gives her a total boner, which I, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, that That's guy. Right 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 from that was before like, he said, yeah. let's, let's, "This is some regular <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I love, what are you guys doing here? Like, my acting class. It's so <laughs> yes. funky. I love this place. It's so, um, I don't know, you know, um, funky. <laughs> And she has the backpack purse. So that was like quite the thing around that time. Melora. <laughs> what a funny character. The first like five things you said were definitely on my list, Amy, but I have a bunch of other ones too. I really like in the beginning when Enid's like, we're never going to see that guy again. I forget who what his name is. The guy just like sadly eating his cake mm-hmm. at the table. Oh, yeah. And then she says, think about it. It's actually totally depressing. God, just think we'll never see Dennis again. And then the camera zooms in on her face and you can see her really thinking about it. I mean, it's just like 18 year olds coming to term with what life is. Everything is this way for a while and then it ends and then it's never like that again. Even if you didn't really enjoy it, it's just kind of sad to think about the way life transitions from one thing to another. There's just so much going on in her eyes when the camera's zooming in right after <laughs> mm-hmm. she says that, realizing what time is and what life is when yeah. you're that age and how it is totally depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and adulthood is just trying to forget about those realizations and carry on. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yay! My favorite thing that Ileana Douglas' is our teacher says is <laughs> after she shows her video, which I didn't know until because I watched this movie with the subtitles on for the first time, I always thought it was nearer father and nearer, but it's oh. a mirror, <laughs> apparently. It's a mirror father. I thought it was something about, like, he's coming up the stairs to molest her, nearer father, nearer. Oh. But she says, I like to show this to people I've just met because it tells them what it feels like to inhabit my specific skin. I like to show it to people that I'm meeting for the first time because I think it says so much about who I am and what it feels like to inhabit my specific skin. I love that. (laughs) Specific skin. And then I really like when Seymour says that he has narrowed his collection down to 1,578. (laughs) I've got about uh, 1,578 at this point. I've tried to pare down my collection to just the essential. And then I also, just as a throwaway line, when they're looking at apartments, and <laughs> Rebecca says, this one seems good, but there's no kitchen. <laughs> this would be good, but there's no kitchen. <laughs> Why does it seem good, though? <laughs> <laughs> like, what even is that, an office space? I know, can you call <laughs> it an apartment if it have a kitchen? Oh, and then, of course, the whole scene where Enid works at the movie theater. After I saw that movie, I stopped getting butter on my popcorn, and I've never gotten it since. <laughs> Because when she put it as like chemical sludge, I was like, oh god, that is what it is. Yeah, let me have lots of butter on it. There you go. Smothered in delicious yellow chemical sludge. Yeah, it's not even real butter. And then her thing at the very end, right before she gets fired, obviously. Medium? Why, sir, do you not know that for a mere 25 cents more you can purchase a large beverage? Uh, can I get a medium 7-up? Medium? Why, sir? Do you not know that for a mere 25 cents more you could purchase a large beverage? And you know, I'm only telling you this because we're such good friends. Medium is really only for suckers who don't know the concept of value. Oh, and then also, of course, just the awesomeness when she's like, if you love traditional blues, you <laughs> <laughs> love blues hammer. Authentic blues has a, has a more conventional 12-bar structure in its stanzas. Oh, if you like authentic blues, uh, you really got to check out blues hammer. They're so great.
Blues Hammer's song is just amazing. It's one of his real Delta Blues. Oh my god. <laughs> And then all the, everyone gets up and starts dancing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That whole scene is pretty terrific. Like you really feel for Seymour there. Yeah. Like, this like old ass <laughs> authentic musician and no one's paying attention to him and they're all just like eating their hot wings. One interesting thing I read was that Rebecca from the comic is supposed to be terrible. The character, one of the main differences, I mean, she's supposed to be terrible in the movie too. Just the character. She's not supposed to be a nice person or relatable or sympathetic in any way. And on the commentary, I forget if it was Klaus or Zweigoff who said, ScarJo made her sympathetic. (laughs) (laughs) But she definitely does. I mean, you feel for her. She's on her own trajectory and it's totally fine but it's interesting that she was supposed to be a total asshole and you're supposed to think Enid has maybe been friends with her for too long and why are they in this toxic relationship instead of it's both of them in that relationship Hmm. kind of torturing each other and both take part in that instead of Rebecca being the bad guy which I thought was interesting yeah (laughs) yeah I never really got that I feel like they're supposed to be sort of like a yin and yang authors always like their characters are themselves like their full names in the comic are Enid Coleslaw which I was like I think two years of reading this before I put together that that's an anagram of Daniel Klaus (laughs) (laughs) and then her name is Rebecca Doppelganger Doppelganger being like you know your sort of evil twin he probably sees it that way that she's so much like him Enid is is mm-hmm. him and Rebecca's his bad side sort of. I feel like stuff happens in the book like between like I think Josh is a bigger deal in the book. I don't totally remember what happens there. I never felt like Enid's good and Becky's bad. I never felt that way either but it was in the commentary that they said that. <laughs> so I guess, right. I guess that's what he was going for. Yeah he was yeah. going for that. Yeah well in the comic book Rebecca like they both have a crush on Josh and then Josh declares his love for Enid, I think. And then Enid does something to Rebecca to make her mad. And so as revenge, she goes and, like, seduces Josh. Hmm. Oh. I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Do you guys remember what happened to Brad Renfro? <laughs> I died. I know he died, yeah. but did he die I drugs? Think he, I think he, <laughs> he overdosed. Overdosed on um, something? Yeah, the only other movie I remember him from was The Client, that John Grisham movie. Oh, he's but like I feel the like kid there was that? some. Yeah, he was the kid in that. I get him mixed up with Edward Furlong for some reason. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were the, the <laughs> just as like because like, yeah, bad boys or whatever. Troubled, uh, yeah, former he, child actor. He's not from any big thing. Terminator. I mean, I, I, well, you know what I mean, like something like that. Like, do I just think this for no reason? Um, I guess yeah. we could look it up. I'm looking it up because I meant to. I totally meant to look up what happened to him because I just remembered he had a big. Oh, tragic. actually, there's something with a bug. Oh, oh that's right. That's next people. door to the Nazi. Brian Singer movie, right? Yes, and Ian McKellen is the the Nazi. Oh, Sleepers! That was the movie that was like a real. That was a really depressing movie, but he was one of the young kids in it. So he was like. 
a promising giant electric lot of things. But he wasn't from some big blockbuster, though. I don't think so. No, none of these were blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> he was on one episode of Law and Order, oh, Criminal no. Intent. <laughs> and then he died in 2008 at age 25. Wow, so he's really young and goes, he's like an actual teenager in yeah, this world. Yeah, I think oh, they all are yeah. actual teenagers. Nice. That's nice. When it is nice. That. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's sad. That's way too young. I liked him in this movie a lot. Some interesting oh. alternate casting facts about this. Originally, Thora was supposed to be Rebecca. Oh, wow. Which is so crazy. To yeah. yeah. Christina Ricci also said in an interview mm-hmm. that she was originally asked to play Enid, but that she had a scheduling issue. Oh. So they got Thora Birch. <laughs> that also sounds kind of like Christina Ricci throwing shade, so it's hard to say. Because <laughs> oh, this yeah. comes from her saying that in an interview, so I'm like, I don't uh-huh. know if that was true or not. Right. <laughs> or her just being like, that bitch stole my axe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Nathan Lane was suggested for the role of Seymour. Oh, God. Oh. And then producers, I don't think there was ever any chance of this happening. This is just an example of Hollywood producers sticking their nose where it doesn't belong, <laughs> where they suggested Jennifer Love Hewitt for oh, Enid. Oh. And also Claire Danes and also Alicia Silver. <laughs> for Enid? Yeah, wow. Jesus. Wow. Not good. That would have been terrible. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt. I mean, Guardians <laughs> maybe, but I feel like she might have been too old at that point. Right. Yeah. 2001. You can sort of see that there's some angst crossover with right. my so-called life. But... I mean, I think she's a good enough actress that she could at least make an effort there, but I mean, not right for Enid. No. (laughs) Yeah, I read that Terry Zweigoff got to use a lot of his personal music collection in the movie. Like, the studio wanted, since it was about teenage girls, they wanted to do all this pop music, and he's like, (laughs) no. Somehow they relented, I guess, because they decided, well, this isn't going to be a really big commercial movie, so you can do whatever you want or something. Yeah. I can't imagine it, using pop music would be... That would not have worked for this at right. all. Or well, like it would have a, dated it pretty hardcore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a little bit dated, but not that much. Right. I mean, there's little things here and there, like the computer. Right. But, like, the fact that they all have kind of vintage landlines still mm-hmm. seems like something you would do today in a movie. If you yeah. you make that movie right. just because they're all in a vintage... In certain yeah. aspects of vintage. I really love the phones. Yeah, yeah. I loved the, the yeah, Enid's got the clear phone. phone. Oh, yeah. yeah, is it a swatch? That's what I, I don't know. Like. I was thinking it was like a swatch phone. That like probably clear is. Clear where you can see yeah. all the parts and all the parts are different colors. <laughs> I really loved those phones so much. Yeah, and then Seymour's is like the first phone. You <laughs> <laughs> can call that where it's like oh, the right. big long yeah, stick yeah. with the separate earpiece <laughs> and the yeah. rotary dial. And then ScarJo's got, like, the classic yellow boxy landline. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Those are really nice touches by the set designer. I mean, the set design, outstanding for this. Yeah. Yeah. Did that. Really nailed it. I mean, the outfits. Right, the outfits, too. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I loved Enid's shirt with the girl in the garbage can, like, the recycled (laughs) youth shirt. That was so good. Her, like, obvious homemade shirt. Yeah. Her room is really great. And then all of her dresses are so nice. And obviously, I love her suitcase at the end. <laughs> I really like seeing Terry Gar in it, too. I, I like her <laughs> a lot as an actress. Maxine. Although it definitely seems like they had a weird relationship there. Maybe she's, she's kind of annoyed that she's back in her dad's mm-hmm. life. And, oh, definitely. Yeah. Did it, they ever say what happened to Enid's mom? I don't think so. Um, no, yeah, I was wondering. It. 
I don't remember if they say it in the comments. I feel like maybe they say she left. Like, I don't think she died. I think she left, but I really don't remember. Apparently, the uh, original Coon Chicken Inn that they have that picture was a building in Portland. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> yeah. The building itself is still there, but obviously it was renovated. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of Pacific Northwest shout-outs, because the other thing was in the brochure for art school, it's UW. Oh, oh okay. It's a picture of Red Square. Oh, nice. That whole art class is so... I love, yeah. so many funny... Like, with the... I loved how she has a painting of Don Knotts, and it's <laughs> like, it's so good. It's Don Knotts. I like Don Knotts. Who is this? Enid? It's supposed to be Don Knotts. Who is this? Enid? Who is this? And what was your reason for choosing him as your subject? I don't know. I just like Don Knotts. Yeah. yeah, And like the lady just doesn't treat her art like it's Mm. valid artwork. Then the other teacher's pet student has the hangers all mangled up and symbolic of a woman's right to choose. Who is responsible for this? I am. Talk to us about it. It's my response to the issue of a woman's right to choose. It's something I feel super strongly about. (sighs) Isn't this a wonderful piece, class? This definitely falls into that higher category of art I was speaking of earlier. It's really... (laughs) Well, what do we have here, Margaret? It's a tampon in a teacup. (sighs) I can see that. Now, what can you tell us about it? First of all, What kind of sculpture is this? It's a found object. That's where an artist takes an ordinary object and places it in artistic context, and thus it becomes art. It probably took two minutes to... It's definitely like he has... up wires. Yeah, (laughs) that's definitely Dan Clouds having an axe to grind about art school and cartoonists not being taken seriously. He had a comic... Art School Confidential. That's the other thing that mm-hmm. there was a movie from. A lot of the stuff in the art class are from Art School Confidential. Like the tampon yeah. in a teacup and oh, all that, wow. you know, when she's like, this is an example of the higher art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Found objects. Right. <laughs> but just that whole frustration of how if you're doing cartoons, that's not real art. Exactly. Yeah. And how even like the guy who, the mutilator, <laughs> is more art to the teacher than that right. lovely picture of Don Knotts, <laughs> who is a very worthwhile art subject. <laughs> I mean, she does come around where she's trying to get Enid into art school and all that, you know. But it's only after she thinks that she painted the coon chicken sign. I don't think she thinks she painted it, though. I mean, I think she said she, or she, does she say says it's a found yeah. art object. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe she like then sees she's like, well, if she's capable of learning from me in this way, then right. Her I mean, I think she can see that she's talented, even if she doesn't feel like her subject matter is as meaningful. But yeah, like, you could tell like she can really draw. Those drawings were done by Sophie Crumb. Oh, interesting I love fun facts. And Zwagoff asked Klaus to do Enid's sketchbook, but he said he wanted a young girl to do it for oh, authenticity. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but the unicorn painting in the art class was done by Klaus. <laughs> Which is really funny. That makes me laugh every time. That unicorn is so funny. <laughs> Midsummer style pan of <laughs> funny art. Yeah. I guess that's something I really like, yeah. apparently. Every time they show Norman, I feel like, does he remind you of David Lynch? Like, I always get a David Lynch vibe from Norman. Like David Lynch the man himself? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, he just kind of reminds me of him oh. a little bit. 
I guess it's just me. I don't know. Every time I see him, I'm like... I mean, more, I guess, more of, like, a character who would be at a David Lynch thing. I don't know. He just, he reminds me of him personally. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I do like the way he says that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you waiting for a bus? Yes. I hate to tell you this, but they canceled this bus line two years ago. There are no more buses on the street. You don't know what you're talking about. I like the pants. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's a nice I like detail. That. Yeah. There's the pants. Where are we going? And that's kind of like city life. You just notice that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. My old friend, Lissa, who's a runner, and said she and her friend had a running route they did every day, and there was an old pair of underwear hanging off a thing, and that they would use it at, like, okay, let's run hard till the underwear slow down. Because going to remove this, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to pick up, like, a wrapper and throw it in the garbage with a whole <laughs> pair of pants. Yeah. <laughs> You're just not going to do that. Did you guys see American Splendor? I loved that movie. Yeah. It was... Not in a long time, but yeah. I liked it at the time. Even though I think that, um, what's his name is overrated. Paul Giamatti. Paul A little bit. I like that both girls sit in the backseat when they get Josh to drive them to the diner. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... Also, I mean, there's just like lots of little shorthand like that that reminds you that they're teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do our lunchtime poll? Yeah, let's do it. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. I have a question about oh, it, though. Okay. okay, first I'll say what it is. <laughs> our lunchtime poll is, what is your nerdiest interest, I guess? Nerdiest interest or nerdiest hobby? Nerdiest Well, I would think like the most uncool thing that you're into. The most I mean, nerdy and uncool is a little different. Yeah, but... so that was my question. Oh, okay. My question, because oh. I asked my husband what he thought about what my interest was because I was like well maybe there's something that I just don't think is that nerdy are you talking about something that you know a lot about like Seymour knows a lot about music obviously things that you could talk on and on about beyond the point of the person you're talking to's interest level right. <laughs> versus something that you're like ashamed to talk about which are both things that Seymour has he has things that he's ashamed that he's interested in and also things that he will never shut up about so which are we doing because I would have two answers right I mean we could always do both but I yeah. was thinking that to me that's like what the difference between nerdy and uncool like yeah you know I was going for uncool but I can also think of a nerdy th- I mean we can say both things. You know, we can <laughs> answer it too far. This is question. our podcast. We can do it in the fuck right. we want. I would have to think for a second about it because I only thought of my two, I have two uncool things, but I'm sure I could think of a nerdy thing. I don't know, maybe April. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a thing that I could go on about beyond anyone's interest. <laughs> Well, then I could go first. So for me, then the thing that I can go on and on about is movies in general. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> Maybe David Lynch in particular, because I not only have seen all of his movies, but I've seen them numerous times and read books about them and, <laughs> and theorized. I've written theoretical pieces about David Lynch's work. So there's that. But I'm not, like, ashamed of that aspect of me because I love it so much. Proud isn't really the right word, but, like, I'm not ashamed. But then the thing that I am ashamed of how interested I am in it is Pokemon Go. Here's the history there. Uh, live in the house with a mural on the side of it. It became a Pokemon gym, which we found out because we were like, why are there always people standing outside our house looking at their phones <laughs> so and furiously typing? What the fuck is that about? And I posted it on Facebook. And then someone was like, 
I bet your house is a pokey gym or a pokey stop. And then lo and behold, it was. And then that same friend said, and if it is, then you need to start playing Pokemon so you can defend your gym. <laughs> I guess I do. So we started playing and we were like, we have kids. Well, my husband made an account for our daughter. <laughs> and even Ling made his avatar look like her and everything. <laughs> Fast forward fucking three years later, our kids do not play Pokemon. <laughs> and we still do. And at this point, like, the interest level is waning a little bit, but not as much as it should be three years later. I still fucking do it every day, but then they just introduce slowly more and more things that you have to do every day to the point now where I'm like, this is just work and I'm not enjoying it. But I do still enjoy like catching them all. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to. (laughs) So there's that. Well, I don't know. I it's like I think it's cool, but I don't know if everybody would think it's cool, but I've gotten really into making birthday cakes for my nephews and my niece every year i want to take it up a level to see like how much more detail i can do and i started with like the betty crocker box cakes it's sort of how i started to learn how to bake because i didn't really know anything about it i would hope that when they grow up i'll still keep doing it year after year and i don't know if they'll think it's cool anymore (laughs) but it's cool to me and i'm gonna keep doing it i don't know everybody loves cake yeah everybody (laughs) loves cake that was just something i thought of and then i also whenever i travel anywhere i always have to get the t-shirts of the places that i go <laughs> i'm wearing my franklin's barbecue t-shirt oh, today because so i want the, but like they have this all i got is this t-shirt or whatever <laughs> bumper sticker things but i'm like i need the t-shirt i don't know it's just like a thing you're it's, excited to get it's the t-shirt. an interest <laughs> that i have yes so that, that was my <laughs> still kind of going around with like the nerdy part but the most uncool thing that i'm into is heterosexuality <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't feel like I should say anything more about that, but I've been thinking a lot about heterosexuality lately. <laughs> and how uncool it is. Yeah, no, just, just thinking about it a lot. It's like, I just yeah. don't know how to quit you. Yeah. <laughs> and then also Survivor, because I know Survivor is not cool at all. I fucking love Survivor. I'm not like deep dive nerdy, like there's been... I think this season that's currently airing is season 40, and I have maybe watched 10. So I'm not like, you know, there's a, you know, this is a season of all returning players, and half of them I don't even know. You know, so I'm not like deep dive nerdy into Survivor. Like, I know, you know, sometimes there's people playing and they, they refer, you know what I mean? I don't like know so many details, but like, I do genuinely, wholeheartedly love that show. <laughs> My kids and I watch it together. It's like a little event for us. It's on Wednesdays, but we watch it Thursdays, and it's like, Survivor, you know, like, <laughs> when I write their notes and their lunches on Thursdays, I'm like, Survivor tonight, I draw a little picture of someone with a torch. Oh, <laughs> like, that's awesome. <laughs> I, always try, I don't know why. I'm like the worst drawer, but I always try and draw a picture, just like a little doodle, you know, in my kids' lunch notes. I don't do a good job, like, trying to draw some, like, Jeff Probst. <laughs> snuffing out someone's torch you know i just always do like someone with a face like (laughs) (laughs) the tribe has spoken Um, i really love that show i don't believe in like guilt with guilty pleasure because like i really love it you know so i don't feel bad about it but then i guess if i have to think of like a more nerdy thing that i know a lot about you know Mm -hmm. to that extent sadly it's probably woody allen movies all of all the everything related. You know, not in the last few years, obviously. Things came up. I was too far in to 
You know what I mean? Like, there's some people, like, I can never watch any of their stuff again because they're so bad, but I just can't not love a lot of those movies. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Before the last few years, I've just always been so into basically Mm -hmm. his whole body of work. I mean, obviously, he has some bad movies. So I guess that would be, like, my nerdy thing, but that I am, like, you know, (laughs) is, like, a secret shame. (laughs) It's my most problematic fave. Not like my fave anymore. You know what I mean? It's a little bit I do. Yeah. hard I mean. to characterize. I have that yeah. with Roman Polanski movies. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't watched any of them in quite some time, but I mean, I love Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. and Chinatown I think is very good, and I've seen it yeah. many times. It's tough. I really like Repulsion. That's like one of the scariest oh, yeah. movies I've ever seen. Oh, I've never seen it. Very disturbing and scary, but. It's Roman Polanski. Oh. <laughs> right. It's hard. It's very yeah. hard. I know. It's hot. I mean, I'm, so, I'm just like, I, I'm sorry. I can't, like, never watch Hannah and her sisters again. Mm. Like, I just, I can't erase mm. that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's so many good roles for women. Like, it is. so many great actresses I in mean, those movies. He does have, he has a career unlike anybody else. Every year it's like, do a movie, do whatever you want. Here's your barely any money. And no other director has that kind of career or body of work. I had that kind of deal where it's like, do whatever you want. Once you hand in a movie, we're not going to expect it to make a lot of money. It's going to be big in award. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard. It's a very frustrating if we never heard anything about Dylan Farrow or whatever, then just looking at his body of work, like, it's really, I think, unparalleled. I really like Michael Jackson music. Oh, okay. that was a really hard, yeah, that's yeah. a hard one. Right. Like, I have that problematic fave, too. How do you stop mm-hmm. listening to the Thriller album? <laughs> I couldn't watch that documentary. Oh, I didn't watch Finding, that either. I, I, there's no way I'll ever watch that. Yeah, I grew up listening to so much of that music. Yeah, it's hard to think about. There's kind of like a diagonal of like how much you really liked something and how bad and the alligator. You know what I mean? I feel like Definitely. everybody's got right. this. Like, it's kind of easy for me to not listen to Michael Jackson, I was like not into him. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to avoid it because it's all over the place. But right. There's a lot of stuff that I think yeah, I can just never watch that again or never. Totally. And then everyone's got their things that they are fine never watching again. Like I actually mm-hmm. am totally fine never watching another Woody Allen movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I totally understand where you're coming from on that. Even though I haven't seen a Roman Polanski movie in a while, and I wouldn't watch a new Roman Polanski movie. Right. But uh, even though I haven't seen like Rosemary's Baby in a while. I can't say definitively that I'll never watch it again because for me a lot of it is Mia Farrow you know and her mm-hmm. performance so it's really hard it's so hard yeah, <laughs> right. especially movies are hard because it's not just one person versus like Michael Jackson it's a little easier for me because it's just Michael Jackson right he's the only one responsible so I could be like I'm not gonna it's fine to avoid that versus the fact that lots of people from behind the scenes and in front of the camera were involved in making this movie that's mm-hmm. a really good movie I feel like with some, like, you can pick one thing you give yourself a mulligan on, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had no problem getting rid of all my Louis K. twos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's one. That was easy for me. No, I loved Louis C.K. Yeah. And it's easy for me to say I'm never watching him again. The metric was, uh, the metric of the betrayal is greater than the sum of his work. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, basically. It's like everyone has to do their own personal calculation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very. That was yeah. our lunchtime yeah. rule. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that got a little... Why are you That seemed really sad now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, everything's just really sad right now. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. 
Uh, we never. <laughs> How can we wrap this up? No <laughs> Sorry, I, I guess. Were you still recording? I didn't know. Still recording. We never came up. We just didn't end it. It just right. petered out. <laughs> Lunchtime full. We were like, oh god, nerdy, yeah. nerdy things we're into. <laughs> transition to problematic faves. Transition yeah, to yeah, everything's yeah. terrible. Mm. But not this movie. <laughs> no. This movie is mostly really great. It's fun to see someone who became a big deal in one of their earliest roles. Like, it's really fun to see ScarJo so young. Yeah. And she's so good. And she's so good now, you know. I don't know why she's with Con- Well, no, no. That's not a good negative. <laughs> yeah. It was great to see young Scarlett Johansson. Because she's so good. It was. Yeah. She is really good. And I, I do wish that... Thor Birch had done a little bit more. Yeah, she hasn't. I, <laughs> I really seen her around. Well, she had a terrible like stage dad. Like basically, nobody she, will work with her because her dad is like this tyrant. But she's an adult now. I don't. I mean, I I think that's what that like part sabotaged of her career, kind of. Oh, damn it. Yeah, I know. That's why I wasn't going to mention it. Like, that's Yeah, I know. So, ScarJo. One person from this movie turned out okay. (laughs) I feel like this movie might be perfect if it had been directed by a woman instead of the guy who ended up doing Bad Santa. No, numerous oh, bad yeah. Santa movies, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Did he also do the fun time cartoon interludes on Saturday Night Live? Terry Smigoff? No, I you're think thinking so. of the uh, Robert Smigel. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have it totally wrong. Okay, sorry. He did the Crumb documentary. Oh, yeah, um, that was disturbing. I remember seeing that in high school, and <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is messed up. Really? I don't know. I was just disturbed by some of it. I don't remember it very much. Yeah, I can see that. I was into that kind of (laughs) (laughs) I really liked comic books that had, like, depictions of jizz in them. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of a whole genre. Jizz comics. Yeah, I love Crumb's Wife, too. (laughs) And that was one of the things I wrote, Dan Klaus, have you ever met Aileen Kaminsky? Yeah. Crumb. And this is, yes, I have met Aileen, and she is indeed formidable. (laughs) Best to you, Dan Klaus. That's a nice way to end it. That is a nice way. Aw, formidable. Yeah. (laughs) A formidable woman. Okay. Goodbye. This concludes Series 2 of Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next series. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod, or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.